This is the Strut South Podcast. Today on the show, we talk to Ricky Joe Bishop. He lives here locally in Georgia, just right down the road from us. He's pretty well known in the the turkey world. He's won the Grand Nationals a few times, and he also knows his way around the deer woods as well, working with, you know, he's worked with Realtree, the Drury's, Mike Waddell. He's done stuff with just about everybody, and he's hunted all over the country. And we talked to him today kind of more about, you know, rutting sign, um, rutting activity and stuff like that. And we hit on some scent control stuff and some camera stuff. And we just sit back and have a great conversation talking about different tactics. So hope you guys enjoy. All right, guys, welcome to episode 16. Today we got Ricky Joe Bishop on here with us he's uh he's he's probably a lot more known for turkeys than he is deer but uh i think ricky's he he's been around the the deer woods a time or two um so what's up ricky oh not much just got out of the woods a little while ago moved a couple stands around saw oh three or four does and one pretty mature six pointer he's probably 15 inches wide and had six inch brow times but it's just a wasn't a shooter for me oh just really getting now getting going on deer hunting good that hot weather had kind of set me back and we were busy around the shop and uh, i'm fired up now yeah i think i think it's getting cranked up uh and that's another thing i was going to tell you before we actually started but uh well i kind of mentioned it i I do like to talk uh, try to talk to you know, local guys, especially if they're in Georgia. Um, and you're right over there in uh, Warm Springs area. Yeah, uh, That's right. I think we had talked before. You said you had had some – didn't you say you had somewhere in, in Talbot County? I hunt a little bit in Talbot County, yeah. Some down I got you. Um, so you just right down the road from me. I mean, you're just on the other side of Pine Mountain. And I'm, yeah. I'm on the other side from you from Pine Mountain. So it ain't that far through the woods. Um, I'm amazed in the last week or so, there's been some good deer shot. There was a, a 180 class gross, I guess. It come popped up on uh, on the web this week on Facebook. It's legit. And then I just saw one of my buddies kill, shot one yesterday. Just saw more pictures of it a while ago. It's probably, it's a really, it's probably pushing 160 class deer. So there's some good deer starting to show up around here. Oh, yeah. Well, man, I tell you, I think I, when I called you to, ask if you wanted to be on a podcast uh and by the way I, I meant to say this right when we started i'm i'm really glad you joined in and got on here i mean i'm i'm honored because i've always followed you and you know since i i know you more from the turkey world but i know you i know you'd be slaying some deer too uh yeah i started uh, bow hunting back i had a recurve back in the mid-70s and uh, i think i killed my first deer around 76 something like that and then I got into turkey hunting right after that. And then uh, when I worked where I went to church, there was a the game warden, regional game warden guy. He was a big guy, old guy, Mr. Cotton. He taught me how to make a turkey call out of a, a medicine bottle. And uh, mm-hmm. I kind of got my interest in that and started turkey hunting. And then somebody come by one day, he done got into turkey calling contest and he wanted me to go. So I jumped in the truck and we went and that's how I got, got started. I was back in the, Mid-80s, early 80s, uh, late 80s. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, my brother, uh, 
so you were you were kind of that's about when late 80s you know early 90s that's kind of when uh my brother he uh so my brother's the one that got me into hunting pretty much because my dad he's got my mom and dad got four kids and three of us is boys and we all hunt but our dad he didn't he didn't really bring us up hunting because when he was our age you know there wasn't no deer around here but uh, my brother got me into hunting and he was he was huge turkey fanatic and back in his prime i guess when he was in his 20s <laughs> he uh that's a you know that's that's back in them days he was always you know following you and people like uh joe drake and uh preston Pittman. And, but um yeah I, when i started there weren't many turkeys i killed my first one in 81 and uh i think it was and uh it it was weird back then. Everything was a lot different. There wasn't any uh, timber company lands. Uh, well, there were. There weren't any posted. There wasn't lease land anymore back then. You could just. Uh, I can remember riding three counties trying to find a turkey. A turkey. Uh, you go all over, and uh, we'd go all the way from Meriwether County to Troop County, be running in one morning uh, trying to find a turkey. But back then, you just about going where you wanted to go. Wouldn't have to worry about. There was no posted land much at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's all um, changed. Oh yeah, it's it's a lot different. Shoot, man, it's. I mean, I know it's deer season. People want to hear about deer, but yeah. and we'll get to that in a second. But turkeys are pretty important to us. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's um, it's a lot different. Just in my turkey hunting career, I mean, I started turkey hunting right in right at the early two thousands. You know, maybe ninety nine. You know, right at two thousand something like that. But it's. It's even a lot different now compared to then. I mean, yeah, back in the early two thousands and the late nineties, man. I mean, it was those those turkeys everywhere, which yeah. they still are. They they're still around. There's just still a bunch of turkeys, but it's yeah, a lot harder through, to get them to gobble. Day, back, I can remember when you saw the everybody was hungry to follow the videos to come out, and uh, we did real tree videos, turkey hunting videos. Did them with Mad Loman. Did them with all them guys, and people were going crazy over videos. But now you got social media now, so people get it other ways, and you can learn it so fast. And we used to do seminars. Yeah. That's all changed. But yeah, my that's my two loves: bow hunting, deer, and turkey hunting. And I it's it's a toss up on which I like the best. I started out bow hunting before I was turkey hunting, and I still eat up with it. Just trying to get close to a big whitetails. That's tough. I've hunted all over the country, as far north as Saskatchewan. <laughs> I killed a good buck up there with my bow. That was back then. That was one of the few that was killed with a bow up in that area. Waddell, Michael Waddell was with me, and uh, we were on a hunt together. And it was got down to fifteen below zero, and I wound up killing a eight pointer at gross one fifty four, and uh, it was a nice eight pointer. Mm. Killed it with my bow on the last day, six day hunt. Man, neat. Man, that's uh. That's pretty impressive. We were so far, no quick story. We were so far north that uh, guy was. It was Jim Shockey back when he was unknown. He had an outfitting business. He didn't have a TV show then. And uh, they told us if you go get lost in these woods and go north, you're gonna come out in Russia. That's how far north we were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Northern Saskatchewan. We were way up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
but yeah, I was gonna say, man, there's there's some big deer being killed, like you said. I know, oh, man, around here, like I, I'm in Troop County, and I'm I'm right above uh, Harris County, and there's there's some big deer hitting the ground over here in Troop County. I know a buddy of mine, but he just shot one, maybe a, I don't know, a couple weeks ago, something like that. And he was like 165, and uh, and that was in I think that was in Troop County. But, uh, and then, man, my buddy, another buddy of mine was hunting a big deer. The neighbor shot it. He was 150 something. And, uh, there's some big deer being killed in, uh, especially in this area in about Midwest Georgia, I think. Yeah. yeah. It was, um, kind of hard for me to get motivated early. It was so hot. It stayed hot so long, but it's finally cooled off and, uh, deer starting to move and, uh, they laying down scrapes and everything and finding big rubs and uh, getting bigger deer on my camera now. But it's still mostly the bigger deer. I've got them right at dust dark, a couple of big ones, but most of them it's nighttime. But we get a good cool snap and this rut kicks in a little bit more. You start seeing more deer showing up on camera in daylight hours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's, that's one thing, you know, I was going to ask you about, which you kind of just explained it a little bit right there. Uh, I know here, which I'm right, I'm almost on the Alabama line, and uh, I'm probably 15 minutes from Alabama, and it's already, it's already starting to crank up, and usually around, I mean, the best time to me is first two weeks of November, not not really any certain day, but for the last 20 years, it's always been pretty much any day in that first two weeks. And and then sometimes that third week and, you know, a little bit after Thanksgiving, you find some deer chasing and yeah. get some bucks that are interested in some doe still. And uh, so does it, is it kind of like it over where you're at? Uh, yeah. Um, some of the biggest deer I've shot are right around Thanksgiving, seems like. Uh, uh, I know I like when I go, if I'm ever going up to Kentucky or Midwest, I always like to go up there the first two weeks of November, right around that. Uh, but, um, depends on what we get in weather down. If we get them cool snaps, um, early, they'll, they'll run a little bit earlier, seems like, but I know, uh, I don't know. It's kind of, it's weird. I've seen the last few years, the deer are just going to a spurt, just like they're rutting. Everybody said the rut's on and rut's on and Two or three days later, it's like, what happened? It's like not doing anything. They just shut down or don't, and then they'll come back in a week or two. Seem like they're going again. But uh, I know there was people talking just the other day that they. I saw some small bucks chasing and out, sniffing the ground and looking for does. But I hadn't seen any big bucks. But I think they're starting to get ready. I think, like you said, it'd be in the next week or two. It'll be really good. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think like here. It's um well not I wasn't gonna say here I was gonna say uh, I hunted some I hunted a place in uh, Heard County well really it's like the top of Troop County right on the right on the line for Heard and Troop County up there I think the the rut was a little bit later it was like the first of December and uh, we I'm gonna tell you man I seen that well, it was last year or maybe it was two years ago where I seen so many deer chasing it was. I don't know, one or two years ago, but man, what, those bucks chasing does everywhere and scrapes everywhere. 
first week of December. You know, it was just they was tearing it up. Yeah, I hunt down in Blakely with my buddy. Actually, texted me today, told me to come on down, but I'm not gonna be able to make it. But around that area, see, they have that mid-December rut. It's kind of weird. Uh, now, right. I, while you were talking, I thought of something. The craziest thing I've seen uh, up here around my shop is a big pasture back here, and it's been about five or six years ago. I was out there working in the back and looked up, and it was in March. And I saw these bucks out there chasing the doe round and round. So about two days straight. So I called my brother. He lives in Lagrange. I mean, he works in at deer sale in Lagrange, and he works with a bunch of guys from Lagrange, Troop County. And uh, when I mentioned it to him, these other guys over there said they'd been seeing bucks chasing does in March. Well, that was just a weird year. So you never know. I have been out turkey hunting and found fresh grapes uh, down here in Harris County several times. So I don't know what deer, you know, you never, you never can really figure them out a hundred percent, I don't guess. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I was actually going to say a second ago that, um, we, the property where I shot a pretty good seven pointer a few days ago, but that property there, it's only 20 acre piece. And, uh, it's, um, this year it's, it's looking pretty good. There's a lot of bucks. I'm getting more bucks on the camera. Actually, I think I have two pictures total now. I'm talking from first of bow season. Well, no, actually, since June, July, I think I've gotten two pictures of a doe. And, uh, I mean, I've seen some does while I was hunting. But for some reason, when I put out, which is legal to bait now here in Georgia, so with my bait piles or whatever I put out, you know, corn or whatever, it seems like them bucks hadn't been they hadn't been letting them does come and eat and uh it's it's weird but that but there were scrapes already like in like second week of bow season they was already scrapes on the ground and uh which i know they'll bucks they'll make scrapes even in the summertime and might not be a scrape that's actually for finding a doe but it's more like a, just a community scrape, I guess, because they're trying to be social, I guess. But um, yeah, but yeah, I ain't, I don't think I've ever seen, not on that place anyway. I know I've never seen, a, like a rut type scrape that <laughs> early. Yeah, yeah, I, I found a few scrapes. I tell you what, I really like to look for, uh, like right now. We talked earlier before we started doing this podcast, but. This farm over here's got uh, several persimmon trees. Some of them dropped early, but I found a place over there where Buck's staging up before he comes in there those persimmons, and he's got probably eight or ten big rubs, scrapes. What he's doing, he's coming out of bed in there, and he's just standing there waiting for it to get darker before he comes out in that open to eat those persimmons, and he's scraping and killing us, uh, wasting time. I put a stand up in there, and the Second day I hunted it, I had a, a buck slip in behind me, and I think he caught a little bit of wind. He didn't blow, but I caught a glimpse of him. He, I don't think he was the big buck that I was after, but he was a decent buck. But I like to find places like that where they're staging up and holding up. And then I hunt a lot of funnel areas, too. You're talking about a 20-acre track. I just leased this year, first time, a seven-acre track that's located in between two big blocks. One of them's absolutely no hunting allowed. And uh, I, it's well known these deer travel through this little block. And I put a camera in there, and 
I hadn't put a stand in there. I've got climbing sticks already up, but I'm waiting for the rut because it's just a place where a buck's going to come through during the rut. But I'm getting about 400 pictures of does. and uh, so I have got some smaller bucks on camera, but nothing I'd shoot. But uh, I, I, I guarantee you, but around Thanksgiving, around that area, there'll be some big bucks coming through there. Yeah, yeah. So what um... – what are some of the things you try to do? That's one. That's one thing I want to talk about. You know, when you, I mean, of course, I know you probably use your cameras and all that, try to track down a deer. But like, let's say if you got a, if you got a buck that you're, which actually I think you said you had a buck you after right now. But you know, what what are some of the things you try to do to, I guess, track down the deer and get him killed? I guess. Well. It depends on the way the land lays out and what you got going on, but the buck I've been chasing, I, I know where certain times he'll come in there where the does are. And like I said, I know he'll go hit these persimmons like he did last year, but there's the, the trees are kind of spread out over a half a mile. There's four or five trees here, four or five trees there, but I've got him on in one night. I got him on two different cameras, uh, half a mile apart so you know he's traveling a good ways but i'm trying to figure out I, last year i had him pinned down this particular deer where he was coming in an area and going out of an area and that's where i moved my stand to today i'm that's i'm not gonna play around i'm just gonna go ahead and give this a shot there's not a lot of sign in there but i know it's a it's a funnel area that he was having to come through it seemed like last year um and most deer do this is the more does you got in a certain area they're gonna come into that area when the rut starts kicking off more looking no matter where they'll come from a long ways away and uh and come to the area if you got a lot of does hanging out in a certain spot in a food plot or eating certain acorns which we don't have a lot of acorns this year at all the red oaks we've got a few red oaks but I, I hadn't seen a whole lot of white oaks so if you got food plots i think that's a key they're gonna make hmm. to the food plots you, that's kind of Yes, it's funny that you say y'all don't have many acorns this year because we got, and everywhere I've hunted, man, they, it's, it's like rain, man. Really? They, everywhere. I haven't uh, many at all over here. I know there's been times this year where uh, my pictures on my cameras would, you know, get, I wouldn't get as many as I would, I was expecting to get, and uh, and that's because of them acorns, because they just, I mean, man, they are just littering the ground everywhere. Which here we got, we got a lot of white oaks here. Yeah, and, uh, that's probably what it is. They gone in bucks, deer in general. They gone, they gonna find them white oaks. Yeah, I I found a new place that I was hunting, and uh, it's got a couple of huge, huge white oaks. And they're just not, they're not, unless they're not following it, but there was a couple of, I saw a couple of green acorns on the ground, but I just don't think, I talked to my brother, he said he ain't been finding a whole lot of acorns. We hunt in what we call the mountains, hilly, real hilly. I don't know if they got a late frost here or something up high. Uh, we're up elevation about a thousand feet up here above Warm Springs and now Cleveland Springs. And uh, maybe that had an effect on it. I know talking talking to other guys out in Kentucky that it's, it's loaded with acorns this year. Acorns everywhere. Yeah, I um, I actually did a uh, podcast a while back with a guy. He's got his own podcast. 
I'll give a plug right quick. The name of it is Hunting Out Loud. Uh, we're actually probably going to get him on an episode here soon. But uh, he um, he hunts up in Kentucky, and that's what he was telling me. You know, they got a lot of acorns, and, and he hunts in Ohio as well, and they uh, they wearing them out up there. Yeah, I, my, my, one of my buddies I was talking to, my neighbors in Kentucky, said they put out corn in their feeders, and he was doing six bags so many days and said, when those acorns started falling, he said they, they weren't even him had to put a bag in there uh, the next week. So they were all eating the acorns. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, with speaking of that in Kentucky and like different places, like you said, you you've hunted pretty much all over the country. Uh, what are what's what's like one of the biggest differences that you think between hunting down here versus I guess hunting anywhere? Well, I'll tell you. Uh, so I own two farms, used to own two farms in Iowa, and uh, been, I was hunting up there. Got frustrated with getting the tags, and I hunted Illinois, had a guide service up there back in the early 90s. And I started hunting Illinois in 92. And that was me and Michael Waddell, about before he was, he was a little kid then, and his daddy and my brother, and a guy named Shane Collier. We all shot bows together, tournaments. We went up there, and uh, we found out pretty quick, those deer – or move in the daytime and you got less woods, you got a lot of agriculture and, and just got little funnel areas. And it was so amazing to me how many bucks you'd see on the move in broad daylight. And I don't know what it is. I was the same way. And to me, it's just, it's easier to get your eyes on and pin down and, and get on a big deer up there and kill a big deer. But uh, Georgia, and this is kind of a credit to Georgia. Georgia has and has had a lot of really good hunters, gun and bow, and they get after, people in Georgia get after deer. I mean, when deer season comes in, they get after them. People up in the northern states, like Illinois back then, nobody really hunted them. You'd find five-gallon buckets out through the woods, and I'd ask the landowner, I said, what's that? That's where we, that's my shotgun stand. They're sitting on five-gallon buckets, and they don't take it that seriously. <laughs> and, uh, but, I mean, People in Georgia, they get after them. They stay on them. That's the only thing I kind of I don't like about Georgia. It's got such a long gun season. We'd have bigger deer if they'd shorten that gun season down a little bit. But they have done more, you know, uh, uh, QDM counties and stuff like that. But, you know, Georgia's got some big deer. It can produce some big deer. But they're just tough to hunt. They, they're real nocturnal. In some places in Kentucky, the deer are real nocturnal. I, I've actually – I've probably talked about that same exact thing to two or three other people on this podcast. And, uh, I really do believe like, I kind I really do wish that the gun season was shorter. I mean, we, I mean, you can look, you can look on Facebook, you can see all these deer getting killed. Just like me and you were talking about just a second ago, you got deer getting killed all over the state that are, you know, 160, 170, but it's like, we don't have we got just as big a deer here as anywhere, but there's just not as many, and I I think that's one of the biggest reasons why. Yeah, they got a lot of pressure on them. Yeah, that's one thing. Um, now <clears throat> I try to I try to ask. Well, I've been wanting to ask a lot of people because I try to get different opinions. Do you do you ever really have success on hunting scrapes, like if you're trying to? find a particular buck that's making that scrape yeah um if you can find a concentration of scrapes right in the you know 
in a smaller area where you're seeing a lot of scrapes and a lot of rubs, you know he's staying or staging up there. For some reason, he's coming to that spot. A lot of times, if you'll find a really good white oak, a certain tree, I, I don't know where it is, but sometimes they'll key in on just a certain group of trees or one tree or a certain area, some kind of feed, and they'll lay down scrapes. And uh, if you can find a spot like that, but just finding general scrapes scattered here and there is kind of tough. Unless it's only like old logging road, we, it's a travel route. That's a good idea to get on that. And that's kind of where I moved my stand to today, where I moved it today. It's kind of old, uh, it's a funnel area with the old roadbed, and it uh, looks like they're using it pretty good. So, uh, But, yeah, I have. Most of the time, though, you know, like they'll, they'll visit those scrapes at night. But, you know, when the rut kicks in, they'll, they'll start moving more in the day and checking them during the daytime. And that's another thing about the Midwest. It seems like the deer don't care. They'll come up there daytime, nighttime. It doesn't matter. They'll check the scrapes. But as far as Georgia goes, it's a little bit tougher. Yeah. I uh, We hunted in Missouri a couple of years ago, maybe. It's probably three years ago now. I mean, it was, a, it was an awesome trip. We had a blast. Three of us, we got in the truck. We had it loaded down to the gills with stuff man we had deer stands and we had all our hunting stuff and uh it was fun but the actual hunting part was pretty bad oh, really? <laughs> yeah it was well i mean and and we were in a great spot we were probably we were probably i want to say we were about 20 miles from the iowa yeah. border just south of iowa so we were in i mean we were up there where all you hear about all them big deer and uh but what made it so bad was we went up there. It was like the last week of October, which is actually a great time to be there. And uh, we got there. The day we got there, there was a cold front, but the cold front was leaving. Oh, really? Yeah, and it got, man, after that cold front left, it got hot. I mean, it was, it, I think it was cooler down here in Georgia than it was up there. It was it was like seventy, eighty degrees every day. It was pretty yeah. bad. But we had we had blast and we saw a few we saw a handful of deer, but I'm gonna tell you, I ain't never which the spot we hunted, it was only like a hundred and twenty acre place and uh had a cornfield on one side of it and then a big pasture, just a CRP field on the other side, and then there was a big block of woods right in between both of them. And uh the deer sign, oh my gosh, man, I ain't never in my life seen so much deer sign. And, uh, but the deer just didn't want to move because it, it just, I think it just got too hot for them. Yeah. yeah, I've hunted up in that northern Missouri. I got a buddy, he's outfitting out there. And uh, we used to go up there turkey hunting with him, but he's, he's, he's friends with me on Facebook. He's killed some big deer in the last two or three years. He's got a couple big ones on camera this year. But there's some big ones right there. I mean, he's about where you were, right about 15, 20 miles from the Iowa border. And I saw somebody, I forget who it was, I saw it on Facebook. They did kill a giant right in that area the other day. A huge deer. It was over 180 right up in there. I want to I wanna say I cannot remember the town that we were in, but I want to say it was Albany, Missouri. Yeah, that does. If you got any idea where that is, but yeah, I uh, can't remember what exactly where guys we hunted up there. And uh, I remember uh, it's been years ago, but it was during turkey season, and uh, 
the first double spurred turkey that I ever seen in the, yeah, the a guy come in with one up there that, that year I was there. Had two spurs on each leg. You don't see that often. Mm. No, that's yeah, that's pretty that's pretty rare right there. And Missouri's got some they got some big old turkeys, heavy birds. Um so I want to ask you too, what, and this is a real big topic. Everybody talks about it. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, scent control? Well, you know, it's, it's crazy. Uh, it's gotten bigger and bigger. It made a, it got, I don't know if it's still as big as crazy as it was, but I can remember when, uh, um, was the scent the scent blocker come out? I guess I was outfitting in uh, Illinois, and the guy that invented it come in there, and he was the biggest non-hunter that I ever seen. He sold it out pretty quick. But he was smoking cigars, and he stunk. You couldn't be in the same room with him, but he put that scent blocker on. He didn't kill any deer, but it was. Dead. But my thoughts on that <laughs> get back to that. I mean, I I try to keep uh, my clothes washed, unscented soap, uh, spray down. I use unscented everything. I keep my bow clean, backpack clean, boots clean. I try to keep it as low as possible, but I know for a fact, I'm not going to call any names, a lot of these hunters on TV, the uh, celebrities that go out and they, and the main thing is you got to get the wind right. No matter how much you spray down or what you do, you try to get it that wind. Yeah, and you know a deer can figure out. He smells it. I've always wondered how how far how can he figure out how far away you are. And my thought is, if you can keep that smell down to a minimum, it's going to be hard to him. It's going to take him longer to figure that out, you know. But if you're really smelling loud and got scent or grease or diesel or whatever on you, he's going to be able to smell it and just blow out there real quick. But it's funny how deer. I mean, if you watch deer and study them, it takes them. You know, the, the scent when they smell something, they usually when they lock in on it, they're out of there. You can you can fool their eyesight a little bit, you know, because they're curious. Unlike a turkey, a turkey sees something, he's gone. But I try to keep mine everything wiped down and clean as I can. Uh, just like when this morning I worked up a little sweat, I got washing dryer at the shop. I just went ahead and took everything off, threw it right in the washer, and I'll get a load up and uh, wash it unscented soap and hang it out, let it dry. But I'm not a, a fanatic about it, but I try to keep it down. Yeah, I, I think I'm kind of the same as you. I mean, I I try to do as do what I can, and I do as much as as I can. But I don't I don't think I go to the to the full extent of you know taking a shower and washing your clothes with scent stuff. And I mean, I spray down and all that stuff, and I try to use scent free stuff and all that, but. You got some guys that if if they could, they'd they'd take their deer stand down every day and put it in a scent crusher bag. Um, I got one of the guys that does the does the hunting, the little the Facebook hunting stuff with me with Strut South. He uh, man, he's a fanatic. Like he 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 has told me several times he's really debating on going and buying another washer and dryer just wash camo. <laughs> I tell you, you can do all that, and if you don't have the wind right, they're going to smell something on you. It's, you you work up oh, a yeah. little bit of a sweat or anything or something, they're going to smell it no matter what. I found that out. Uh, yeah. I've had all the scent lock suits and all that stuff, and 
it's just I don't know, just they can smell something. Yeah, it it almost seems like it don't sometimes it seems like they ain't even gotta smell you, but they still smell you. Right. <laughs> and uh I don't know, man. It's especially them especially them big bucks, man. I mean, there ain't a whole lot of people that's been real fortunate enough to see a 160-inch deer, but I'm going to tell you, I, I really think you take a two-year-old, three-, four-year-old buck, you know, he, he might disregard a lot of stuff that he smells. Mm-hmm. But, man, you get a you get a five- or six-year-old deer or deer that's like 170, 180 inches, man, they know it's like they, they don't even got to smell yet, but they know you're there. Right. Down here anyway. I mean, it might be different in other parts of the country, but i tell you a, a story. I hunted a, hunted a deer. I think I might've told you this when I talked to you a week or so ago, but I hunted a deer up at the top of the trip County is, is right around Heard County. And, he ended up being 180 inches when he got shot. <clears throat> the year I hunted him, he was 160. I know, I know he was 160 because I found the sheds, and uh, I saw him. I had him in come in the bow range one day. He was 25 yards. I had him. I mean, he was pink. I had him pegged, but he came in that one day, and he, I just didn't have a shot, and he was behind the tree. And uh, I sat there and watched that deer for 45 minutes. And in that total of 45 minutes, he might have walked 10 yards. And he really wasn't eating. I mean, there was acorns everywhere. He put his head down every once in a while and eat some acorns. But, and I had I had a decent wind. It wasn't a perfect wind. It was, he was in front of me and the wind was coming from my left, blowing to my right. So it was, I was almost kind of, Right, almost, almost downwind, but not really. And, uh, but he knew, he knew something. That's, I think that's why he wasn't walking any. And I needed him to take like five more steps, and I would have been able to shoot him. But I think that's why he was being funny and wasn't moving a whole lot because he he knew something was up. Yeah, it sounds like, kind of like the that deer that I'm chasing this year. Last year I had him. It's just like there was other deer in front of him and come on in and walked around, you know, and I saw him coming up the rear. I think he was dogging a little doe or something, and he just locked up out there about 60 yards, and uh, I was bow hunting, and uh, he just stood there like stone cold, just looking, looking, looking. And I said, why? The wind's right. Everything's right. I said, why is he not? He said, I hadn't moved. I know he couldn't see me. I was way up in a tree, big tree, had a good back back tree behind me and everything leaves and he stood there and finally just turned around and walked back where he came like he knew something wasn't right yep that was the way this deer did he uh now see i had my cameras which all summer i hunted him you know i was putting out bait during the summertime getting pictures and all that stuff but the good thing about where i was at was i was on side of a hill i mean a steep hill i'm talking like a hill that you'd probably see down up there over where you're at, you know, probably like a, I want to say maybe a 70 degree incline. <laughs> and, uh, 
But them jokers, they'd walk right up that hill, man, and they was white oaks all on top of that hill where my stand was. And and they'd come in there and they'd feed on them white oaks almost every single day. And But on my camera, every time I would get pictures, I got pictures of them every day, but there was always another deer already there before he got there. He was never hardly, he was hardly ever the first deer in front of the camera where all them white oaks is at. I think that kind of set him off a little bit too. I don't know. He may have gotten up out of bed early one day because this was it. I saw him that day. It was six o'clock in the evening during both seasons. So shoot, man, you still had three hours of daylight left. And I think he might've got up a little early and maybe got up there and didn't see any other deer out there. So he's kind of just maybe waiting to see another deer. I don't know. I was trying to figure out something. I was trying to make an excuse as to why he <laughs> wouldn't give me a shot, but it just is what it is. He's just he's just smart, I guess. He might have figured something was up because it was wasn't another deer out there, but like he's normally been seeing. Yeah, I think that's really what it was, and he, he which he's he's twenty five yards, and that at the I mean still to this day that's probably the biggest deer I've ever had in front of me, and. Shoot, man, he probably he probably could have heard me shaking in the tree. <laughs> but yeah, he's a he was a stud. Yeah, um, I still took up. I missed one over here a year before last. It was a gimme shot, but I was a real. I was too far up in the tree. It was off an embankment. I was shooting about sixty foot straight down almost. And think about that when I hung my stand. This big buck jumped fence come out there, and I shot right over his back. But he stood there a little while. I got another arrow knock, and I hit him next time, but he wound up getting away. Didn't I hit him in his leg. But I think that's the same deer I killed last year, though. I think it's the same deer, but the year the next year I killed him. Pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess we can uh, – we'll go ahead and start cranking it down, but I want to ask you uh, one more thing. I, I got a – I may come out with this episode – next week because i what i try to do and all our listeners they know i try to come out with try to put an episode up once a week i try to do them on the same day but this one i may i may just go ahead and put this one on there Mm -hmm. but if i don't just in case it's gonna it'll come out next week so it'll basically be november the first when it comes out so on November, after you know, I guess November first, and then that week after that, you know, what are you thinking that you're going to be seeing, or maybe what you'll be doing hunting wise next week? After, uh, the week after that, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this stand where I moved it, and I, I was thinking to myself on the way out, I said that stand needs to hang there for a while. I don't like to overhunt a certain area too much. It depends on what kind of area it is, but this is a good spot. You can get away going in and out. You can get in and out and uh, not spook deer and just see what it's a funnel area they're coming through. So I'm going to try to, I got another couple, two more funnel spots, small tracks that I'm going to be keeping. I got cameras in each spot. I'm going to keep check on that. And another thing I thought about this morning, I found that persimmon tree I hadn't seen all year. It's just loaded down, but they're not falling. The other persimmon trees, most of them, uh, I've already dropped all theirs. 
So I'm actually going to probably hang a camera up in that tree. And I started doing this, uh, putting the cameras up in the tree a little bit, looking down and uh, kind of see what's coming into that tree. And uh, if there's that, that buck is using that, I'm going to kind of adjust and get over there where he's coming, try to figure out where he's coming into that tree and get set up on that. But that's kind of what I'm doing. But um, mainly keying in on what the does are eating in funnel areas right now, how the bucks are going to get to them. Yeah. I, I basically, I'm glad you said that because I, I don't think I've talked about that at all. But trail cameras, I I have started doing that too, putting putting the cameras kind of up higher, put them up about 10 foot or, you know, just as high as you can reach. And uh, I've noticed that it, now they say, yeah, they make all these cameras and all this stuff now, and deer can't see them. But they still look at them. Oh yeah, they still look at them, so they can see them. Well, and another thing, like, and man, trail cameras. We can make a whole podcast about this, but we ain't got it. We'll just talk about it briefly. Uh, the way I see it is, you got to look at, you know, everybody talks about how good deer can smell and how good they can hear, and they can't. Re- they, I mean, they can see. About probably just a little bit less as good as than we can. I, mean, I don't know. I ain't no scientist, but but they can hear and they can smell mm-hmm. better than we can. And uh, I mean, I, don't, I know, of course, they can smell way better than anything. But but they they give a lot of deer. They give deer a lot of credit for being able to smell and being able to hear. And I think you know when you go out there and you put that camera up. It it does make a sound when it takes yeah, it a picture. Does. I noticed mine this morning. And and it, when I took the card out, when I put the other card in, it, it made a sound. I could hear it myself. Yeah. If I can hear it, I know they can hear it. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, because and then and they say you know it's got the, they've got those lights on there, and most of them are all infrared now. I don't know any camera that's still got a flash on it, <laughs> but. Uh, they can see that light, and I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. It don't matter what color it is. They know. I mean, they might. They can't tell what color it is, of course, but they know it's lighting up. Yeah. And and it, and if it's even one of those that don't light up, I'm, I'm I guarantee you they can hear it. Yeah. And, I was ahead. gonna say too. Some deer will, a younger deer does. Some deer and some bucks will, you know, not pay it that much attention. But it's like some deer will just freak out on it. Uh, they don't like it. You can tell they don't like it. They'll stare at it, and every time you get, if you do get another picture of them, they're always looking at the camera or whatever. Uh, so you never. Know. Oh yeah. And I don't know. Yeah, I I tell you, I I, I really think. And then well, another thing, you got to look at. They they talk about how good deer can smell. I mean, you you got to really think they can probably smell them batteries in them cameras. Because yeah. I mean, yeah, we can't smell it, but a battery acid. Yeah, I mean, it ain't got to be leaking. Right. The batteries ain't got to be leaking. I mean, I'm sure they can smell them batteries, but... Um, yeah, when you, yeah, one I, thing, too, putting them up a little bit higher, uh, one reason I started doing it, one, is I didn't want to get cameras to get stolen. A lot of people don't never look up in a tree for a camera mutton very high. They're always looking, you know, you get, it's easy to see them on the side of a tree. And, yep. Uh, but you get a little bit different perspective too when you're uh, sitting up in a when you get them at an angle. I, I put them up at an angle up higher, looking down, and you get a little bit different uh, perspective. But that's what I was thinking this morning. I saw that persimmon tree. I said I don't need to put this tree. I mean, this camera right on the uh, trunk of this tree. 
I need to put it up in the tree, get some limb, rig it up somehow. And I've got some arms that let you do that. But I'm gonna put it up, just looking down a little bit. I know where to. I know which direction they got to come into the tree, and then if I can get the right picture, tell where they're coming in there, crossing the fence, coming to the tree. Yep, yep. I I, I agree. I mean, I've had cameras stolen before, and uh, to me, that's that's the number one benefit is it's a lot less likely to get stolen. And then number two, them deer are a lot less likely to look at that camera if it's just above them, you know, just out of head level. And speaking of that, that deer, that deer I got done talking about a minute ago, he, I wanted to get video of him on my camera, on my trail camera. Well, I put the camera out, turned it on video and then a lot of cameras, they, they're different. Like sometimes when you put them on video, they, they got a light that comes on. And, uh, but man, I put it on video and it was the first night that it was on video. He come in there. It took like a 10 second video of him, but man, as soon as that camera come on, he looked right at it hmm. and then he run off. Really? Yep. And, uh, so after that, <laughs> I turned that joker back to picture. I didn't take no more video. Yeah. And uh, just and me and uh, me and one of the other guys, we've talked about that a lot. He he started putting his cameras up high, and uh, he noticed a big difference in the deer as far as them, like they don't look at the camera as much yeah. when it's up higher. But just something to think yeah, about. Yeah, I was sitting there and standing this morning thinking about. It. I said, if somebody could design a special specialized bracket just for that, make it easier because it's kind of some cameras it's kind of a pain to hang them up that high. And then get you got to angle them down. So some cameras it's not so bad, uh, but if you had some, well something I, the right system, I tell I tell you what's really good if and I use them if if you could get which most cameras nowadays they have a a a, a hole in the bottom of them a thread hole, yeah, and and they make those uh, I think maybe what you were talking about the. It's almost like a, a screw-in step. Yeah, or, that's why I've got one of those. Yep. Yeah. Now, those things are awesome. And, and I bought I actually bought a pack of them not too long ago at Walmart. It, I think the Moultrie makes them, which is, is different brands now, but a lot of more people are starting to make them. And you can just take it, take it and screw it into the tree. And then you can angle it. You can screw it in according to whatever angle you want. And I use, that's all I love. That's all I use now. I hate. I hate using the strap now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I bought a yeah, them things work good. I bought a little camera guy was selling online some one of those sites you download the app and uh it was a browning camera and when I got there I didn't pay much of nothing for it. It was a he can't he had it in a case and it had like a miniature camera arm with it. I've never seen it. It's got a uh screw a T screw screw into the tree in a nut and you put this camera arm on it and it's got Actually, a handle you twist lock, and you can turn that camera anywhere, everywhere you want, uh, and it's pretty neat. I mean, you can put it anywhere in the tree you want it. It works really good. I don't even know where it came from, but what, what company makes them, but it's pretty handy. That's pretty neat. Well, I guess uh, I guess we can go ahead and end it on that, I guess. I think we've talked about a pretty good bit of stuff, and maybe somebody will either enjoy listening it, listen to it or maybe they'll learn something. Uh, but I want to tell you, Ricky, I, I really appreciate you coming on here, man, and taking the time to 
to talk with me. Okay, I liked it. Uh, enjoyed it too. Uh, maybe we can get back together in church season, spring, do it again. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt.